Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. Join us as we once again journey to the island of St. Vincent to explore some ancient places in the history of a proud people few of us know anything about. Hello, fellow travelers. Thank you for tuning in to World Footprints, the leading voice in socially responsible travel and lifestyle. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and along with my husband, Ian, we're going to learn about the history, folklore, and the people of St. Vincent from two individuals who will share their stories. Thanks, dear. First up on today's World Footprints, we will visit the Botanical Garden of St. Vincent, the oldest such garden of its type in the Western Hemisphere, and sit down with Dr. Edgar Adams for a look into some of the events and experiences that have defined his life and the history of St. Vincent. But uh, the Spanish and some other persons felt that they could appropriately call them Caribs. And although they grossly disliked the name um, the, the, the Caribs themselves um, said they, they, they didn't like being called that because at home that um, term meant that they were devastators. Finally, we will learn of one of St. Vincent's indigenous ethnic groups, the Garifuna, from one of its descendants, island resident Augustine Sutherland, as we join him from picturesque Fort Charlotte. The fort, started by the British in 1763 and finished in 1806, was not built to defend against a naval attack, as the cannons of Fort Charlotte faced inland and not to the sea, largely to defend against inland attacks from the Garifuna and the French. Augustine shares some of the tragic history his ancestors faced here and some of the challenges he faced growing up as a Garifuna on St. Vincent. Growing up myself, I know I've been bombarded with people um, who is not like me or from my background, from my race, so they say, you, you, people say, oh, well, you stupid Sunday, the Caribbean, and thing like that. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Visit and connect with us at worldfootprints.com. The Botanical Garden of St. Vincent is the oldest in the Western Hemisphere and is considered to be the flagship site of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It was established for propagating plants useful in medicine and profitable as articles of trade for the benefit of His Majesty's colonies. The gardens benefited from the contribution of both French and English, and many exotic and valuable species were introduced on this site. Captain Bly of Mutiny on the Bounty fame bought to St. Vincent on January 23, 1793, 530 breadfruit plants from Tahiti to be distributed to other islands so that the fruits would serve as food for the workers on the estate. One can still see today a sucker from one of the original plants. The Botanical Garden is an appropriate place to introduce our guest, Vincentian historian and author of a book about the Botanical Garden, Dr. Edgar Adams. Dr. Adams, welcome to World Footprints. Thank you very much for having me. As you think about your life here in St. Vincent and the Grenadines and the incredible journey that you've you've taken, what is it about this island or these islands that have shaped your life and really can help give some insight into why this place is such an important and special place? 
In the first case, I was born here some 80 years ago. I celebrated my 80th birthday just a few days ago. And during my early childhood, I grew up on this island before emigrating to the United Kingdom. And after a period over there, I returned to St. Vincent. But during those years and subsequently, I've had the opportunity to visit many other parts of the world. And I still feel that I was very privileged, although I had no hand in it, to be born here. And having lived here for a long period of time, I've enjoyed immensely my childhood here and the years that I've spent after returning to St. Vincent. I spent a number of years abroad, but then I've been more or less domiciled in St. Vincent with frequent trips overseas. What is it that makes the island um, special? Well, I love the warm climate. I don't like feeling cold. As a matter of fact, if I look at the television screen and they're showing some winter scenes, I begin to um, (laughs) feel very cold (laughs) and so on. I don't know why that phobia was developed, but I, I certainly think it's because I'm allergic to wool. Therefore, I could never have used any woolen clothing for warming me up when I lived overseas. But these islands are special. I suppose uh, when they first appeared above the surface of the ocean, um, God had a special hand in it because he knew that one of these days, persons like yourselves would come down here and still agree with us that it's a beautiful part of the world. We have a very colorful history. Of course, because of the beauty of the island, because of the fertility of the soil, and because of a large number of other uh, features, we enjoyed a, a, a more or less a pride of place, which has remained over the years. And it's no wonder that in the early years, some of the European countries uh, fought desperately to get these islands under their control and to fight among themselves for control of the islands and at a later time with the persons who were living on the islands mm-hmm. so that they would gain um, the acceptance of uh, the, those same people and, of course, rule this part of the world. This indeed, indeed they did. In fact, this island, it seems like, was uh, almost like a ping-pong ball between the British and the French for, for, for many years. And I know there's a time when the French actually uh, joined the revolution um, with the, the locals uh, to help defeat the British uh, at, back in the 1700s, late 1700s. Yes, that is so. Um, both France and Britain fancied their chances of owning this island. And um, unfortunately for them, the island was already inhabited by indigenous people, um, some of those who came from the northern coast of South America. And of course, the struggle continued not only um between the two European powers, but included the local indigenous people. The indigenous people um, fancied the French more than the British, 
and the British didn't like that. And the French um, tried to exploit that, but they did so um, with their eye on getting the island for themselves, not only just to keep the British out, but getting the island for themselves. So um, we, we, we lived through a period of almost a tripartite struggle, but we came through eventually losers in that the um, French ceded St. Vincent to the British in 1763. And when they did so, they made no provision for the indigenous people who were still living on the islands and some of the French people who had come to join them here as planters. When you speak of the indigenous people, who are you referring to? What groups are you speaking of? And talk about the relationship of those people to the island and to the people who are here today. Well, it's a very long story. It would take me the rest of the year to tell you that story. <laughs> but anyway, um, based on uh, the, our historical research, we had three waves of uh, people coming through these areas. The first group was called Sibonese, a little bit um, uh, in the shade exactly where they started from or where they came from, but they certainly had links with um, some of the earlier indigenous people to this area of the world. The group that is uh, very much, uh, well, with which many more people are familiar, the group of Arawaks, they came at a later um, time, and it is definitely known that they emigrated from the northern coast of South America and uh, traveled northward, um, coming up and down the islands um, and sort of uh, settling on the islands. They were later followed by another group of persons uh, originally called the Kalinagos, but uh, the Spanish and some other persons felt that they could appropriately call them Caribs. And although they grossly disliked the names, um, the, the, the Caribs themselves um, said they, they, they didn't like being called that because at home that um, term meant that they were devastators and they were not such friendly people. But anyway, that was the term that was given and that was the term which stuck on them. Now, they were the indigenous people as far as we know, uh, as far as we are concerned. They are the ones who came and met the Virgin Islands here and was able to sort of set up their homes on the island. And that is where it began. Anybody else who came here came after them. And they migrated northwards starting at the extreme south-western uh, part of the, of the Caribbean, moving northward and um, further westward uh, and, and across the islands and into some of the bigger or larger islands. There were no people here, as far as we know, before those persons. How then did they uh, react would not be with those persons who they, they, um, they, they met here as perhaps the persons who joined them here at a later date. Those, of course, we've mentioned before, um, the, the Europeans, who in their um, rush to colonize the world thought that um, this was as good a place to, uh, to, to try, and so they did. In, in the Caribs, 
integrated with another group to, to form the Garifuna. We have to put that in the context of what happened on the islands. Here you had indigenous people. They were making their living by doing this, that, or whatever else they were doing to make a living. They were quite happy here. The other persons came, and of course, like happens so very often, uh, the visitors, after a little while, decide to um, get rid of the hosts. And so, getting rid of the hosts uh, for the, 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 the Europeans meant virtually destroying those persons. Now, anybody who sort of has a home and would like to keep his home would defend his home against all comers. And that is what happened. Of course, um, in our particular case, our attempt to defend our home meant that we became the enemies of the persons who came here. Ironically, we became the enemies of the persons who met us here. But in the end, of course, they got rid of most of the, 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 the persons whom they met on these islands. But of course, by then, um, I, I'm jumping big chunks of history now, we have um, another group of persons who came to these islands under um, entirely different circumstances, and um, many of them, of course, uh, were from the continent of Africa. That mixture of persons coming from Africa with the indigenous people whom they met on these islands, and in, we are speaking particularly of um, St. Vincent now, um, that mixture of the two races virtually produced a new race of people, a new group of people, um, and perhaps nowhere else in the, in, in the Caribbean certainly has that ever happened, where a new nation was formed by the mixture of two um, separate nations. And that was what you just referred to in terms of the Garifuna people. Now, although that mixture took place here in St. Vincent, it never became fully expressed until they journeyed out from St. Vincent, exiled by the British to Roatan, an island off the coast of Honduras, and eventually settling on the Central American coastline and then spreading up and down the Central America into Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala, and all over there. Now, of course, the people who are referred to as the Garifuna, um, they are all over Central uh, America and extending, of course, into North America. Mm -hmm. They still regard St. Vincent as their motherland. Because the nation was born here, they refer to St. Vincent as Urumi, motherland. Mm -hmm. So they still have a great affection for St. Vincent, and um, every now and again we have a pilgrimage from, South, um, from Central America coming to St. Vincent just to visit the place from which their forebears were exiled by the British. 
And and are those pilgrimages helping to preserve the the culture and the history of uh, Garifuna, uh, as well as the language? I understand the language is in jeopardy of disappearing. Well, the English the English made sure that they wiped the slate clean as regards the question of of continuing the language which existed on the island, a language which was then called Island Carib. The English felt that in setting up their plantations, if you had any group of persons who could communicate in their language, which language they could not understand, that there was always the likelihood that there would be plotting and that there would be an attempt to overthrow the regime as it was. Therefore, they made sure to separate persons who spoke the same language and put them on different estates and that sort of thing, kept them apart. But not only did they do that, they made definite attempts to destroy the cultural links that they had with the countries from which they came. And in doing so, they tried to replace the language by their own language. Well, you could imagine if you have fully grown persons, uh, some of them uh, getting old as well, coming to a new place and trying to learn a new language. It's never going to be easy. Therefore, we lost the language which was being spoken on the islands. We also lost the language which came here with our forebears, and we were forced to accept and to learn a new language and we did so very imperfectly. And as you go through the island, you find it. We don't speak the English very well. We understand each other, but you find it a little bit more difficult to understand us. Coming up, more Vincentian history from Dr. Adams. 1979 until now is a very short period of time in terms of world history. We had come a very long way by 1979. We'd gone through a number of experiences and these small territories, most of them bitter. Next, as World Footprints continues. Hi, I'm Aisha from Connecticut via India, and I would encourage you to listen to World Footprints. It's great radio, so do tune in. Thank you. Seeking paradise, a little romance, echo adventures, or pristine waters and beaches. You'll find it all on the islands of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. A tropical paradise of 32 beautiful Caribbean islands is waiting to offer you endless possibilities. Experience a sailing paradise, explore uninhabited islands, or many quiet moments. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick with World Footprints, and before you can just say, ah, you must discover paradise at discoversvg.com. I am Marlon Joseph from the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Tourism Authority. We had a wonderful time with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick of Wall Footprints, and we are encouraging, well, inviting you to come down to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and see exactly what we have to offer. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. Here's more of our conversation with Dr. Edgar Adams from the St. Vincent Botanical Garden. October 27, 1979 marked St. Vincent and the Grenadines' independence, and in some ways the 
the start of this chapter in contemporary history. As you look back at your life, uh, pre-independence to this point some 80 years now, what are some of the changes that you've seen for the best and some of the things that you think are still works in progress? As you realize, based on what I said earlier on, we, we didn't deal with the question of slavery. We just missed that gap completely. But you must take um, on a, into account that the persons who were brought here were not brought here with any noble ideas of um, sort of treating them well, but of putting them to work on the estates as hard as they possibly could so that they could make an economic gain for the persons who sold them out to these areas and who bought them and who used them for their own economic benefits. Now, that period of backbreaking toil under a hot tropical sun was not the easiest thing to bear. Therefore, the question of slavery has, even after these years, remained indelibly inscribed on the minds not of those who enjoyed it or who disliked it then, but also of those who inherited the bad things which slavery left behind. Now, if you could consider that um, many years after slavery was abolished, not much changed um, in, on, on the islands as regards their economic well-being. Things remained pretty well the same. The estates still controlled the lifestyle and the economy of those who lived on those estates. Therefore, until there were changes which made a difference, constitutional changes, which made a difference, which allowed the persons who were once enslaved but who had become free, those changes which allowed them to have a say in the running of their country, until that became a reality, nothing much had changed. And so we went through a period um, in the 1930s uh, when things got so bad that the people, on, not only on St. Vincent but on several of the other islands objected seriously to what was still going on although slavery was abolished as early as 1838. Therefore, um, the British were forced to sit down and think of what was going wrong and they sent out uh, the Moines Commission to investigate why is it not only in St. Vincent but in several of the other territories that the people were virtually unhappy with the circumstances. Although there was an interim um, report by 1939, um, Britain was embroiled in another war in Europe and so the, um, the findings of that commission were never implemented until after the war was finished, after everybody was getting back to normal, they sat down and uh, they, they looked at the possibilities of some of the recommendations. And one of the chief recommendations, of course, was constitutional change, because without the constitutional change, you're not going to get very much um, progress. And so by 1951, uh, you, you had what was called adult suffrage, which allowed a whole change 
of the outlook, uh, representation of the people by the people and that sort of thing. We had to go through a period where Britain said we had to learn to be independent. So we, we did a 10-year stint on that. And after that, uh, we came up to this wonderful uh, date in 1979 when um, right on this very spot there was a lot of um, joyful acclaim that everything was happening, not only here but throughout Kingstown and elsewhere on the island, that we had become independent. Um, of course, Britain was very much represented here and everything went rather well. Dr. Adams, so four years after slavery was abolished in the 1830s, um, there was an apprenticeship program. Was that apprenticeship kind of a euphemism still for slavery? Um, not really. Uh, what happened there, they, they realized that there was a, an entirely new young generation and they were the, the older people and so although uh, the, the period should have been six years in the first instance of apprenticeship they, um, they, they, they decided after trying it for four years that it wasn't working and um, they abandoned it but according to the terms uh, which were agreed uh, the, the, it, the, the children six years and below went off in 1934, in, sorry, 1834, and um, the elders went off in 30, 1838, four years after. But this, it should have been until 1840, but it wasn't working very well. And during that period of apprenticeship, as I said, um, they, were, they were teaching um, the people, apparently, to be independent. People who were independent before they became slaves, you had to teach them again to 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 become independent. So it it was an uneasy period, a very uneasy period. A lot of things went uh, quite differently from what England expected, and so it it, it they realized they, they were better off shortening the period rather than letting it go for the full length of six years. As we come forward into the present when we look at St. Vincent and the Grenadines clearly tourism is a big part of the economic structure here and the future with, with the new airport looming in 2014 that will open up the island to much of the world they'll have much easier access here agriculture remains an important part of the economy as well yet a lot of food is imported and education is certainly important to that future as we see all of the young people here in school in their uniforms, uh, young people in, 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 in jobs that uh, speak to the hopes and aspirations here. As you look forward, what are some of the important things that you think have to happen here to secure a future economically, socially, politically, and any other factors that you think are important to that future? As you will realize, 1979 until now is a very short period of time in terms of world history. We had come a very long way by 1979. We had gone through a number of experiences in these small territories, most of them bitter. And although we were plunged into um, that new sea of independence, we were very small fish in a very large pond which still had 
very large fish ready to devour the small fish in the pond. In other words, although we became independent, life has remained for most of these territories, not every single individual on the territories, but for most of these territories, life has began, uh, be, remained rather difficult. And so, although progress has been made, it's very difficult to take the progress that we have made in a short period of time and measure it in the same bushel as the progress that was made by several other nations over a very much longer period of time. In other words, what we are thinking about is that any individual looking at a television screen and seeing what goes on in New York or what goes on in Australia or what goes on in the UK and so on, so on, so on. And anybody who thinks that we should be living at the same level of these people who are there would find it quite a challenge because these people have certain things which have been established as their norms and um, they, 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 they have followed those over the years. Now, unfortunately for us, we have been virtually plummeted into 20, 21st century where um, outside they have so many things that they have uh, got because they've been working at it over a large number of years. What has happened then is that our persons would like to um, imitate, in some cases, what is going on in some of these other countries. There is not the economic wealth in most of these countries to support that kind of lifestyle. And so, although we have made a lot of progress in a number of areas, we still find that um, we, we, we have so much more to do. Now, educationally, we have made leaps and bounds, especially in the last few years. We know of times when you, you didn't have anybody in the households who were able to sort of really, you know, um, in terms of modern language, were educated. Um, now, that has changed almost in the last few years here in St. Vincent changed rapidly. But education doesn't only mean um, being able to read now and write and decipher this, that or the other. There are several other um, changes which are necessary to bring the whole thing up to speed. And so whereas we're up in some areas, we're still lagging behind in quite a number of areas. Dr. Edgar Adams, we thank you for sharing your perspectives and your insights on St. Vincent and the Grenadines with us today and with our audience. Thank you for being with us on World Footprints. Thank you very much for having me. After the break, we will learn about the history of the Garifuna people on St. Vincent as we go just outside of Kingstown to Fort Charlotte, a historic yet infamous place in the history of the Garifuna, as we learn their history from one of their own, Augustine Sutherland. Growing up myself, I know I've been bombarded with people um, who is not like me or from my background, from my race. People say, oh, well, you stupid can't live in Caribbean and things like that. Next, as World Footprints continues. I'm Cheryl Ann from Spokane, and I'm a big fan of World Footprints Radio. You should listen. Are you planning a vacation, a business trip, or a honeymoon abroad? 
want to enhance your trip and make a meaningful contribution to the places you visit? Packforapurpose.org can show you how. Before you travel, visit packforapurpose.org. It's easy to make a big impact. Don't have the time to give back to the community? No time to socialize or network? Then volunteer with OneBrick. Volunteer only when it fits your schedule, and then join us for food, drinks, and great conversation afterwards. It's a great way to meet new people, have fun, and help the community. Join us at www.onebrick.org. That's www.onebrick.org. One Brick, volunteering made easy. Hi, this is James K. from Los Angeles, California. And I just want to say I've traveled all over the world. But whenever I come back home, I always tune in to World Footprints Radio. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. We've traveled a few miles from the Botanical Garden to a prominent hilltop location overlooking the capital, Kingstown, to a place called Fort Charlotte. Fort Charlotte is an infamous place in Garifuna in island history. The fort, started by the British in 1763 and finished in 1806, has a cork seldom seen in seaside forts. Here the cannons of Fort Charlotte face inland and not to the sea, largely to defend against inland attacks from the Garifuna and native Kalinago people as well as the French. The design of the fort makes it clear that the British did not build Fort Charlotte to defend against invading navies. We're here at Fort Charlotte to introduce you to Augustine Sutherland, the direct descendant of the Garifuna uh, people, and we are having a wonderful uh, visit with him today, um, enjoying the most beautiful view, I think, on St. Vincent. Uh, but maybe the volcano would be a little bit nicer, but this is this is fantastic here at Fort Charlotte, um, which plays very deeply in the history of uh, the Garifuna here on the island. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the Garifuna and this fort where we are and how this played into the just the overall history of the island. And thank you for joining us, by the way, on World Footprints. <laughs> right, thank you for having me here as well. And um, to the Fort, Fort Charlotte, to do with um, St. Vincent, the Grenadines, or Urimi, and the uh, Kalinago people um, being built here from taking captive the indigenous people of the island. Mm-hmm. That's the main um, purpose of this um, fort being built on this island here. If you look good, you could see how the, the ammunition pointed inwards to the island. And uh, that is most, um, one of the most, um, I should say, uh, what should I call this, this fort Charlotte. Um, when come to um, capturing uh, I will say this is one of the could check you know, was a monument put down here that people could enjoy it now, but when they think about building it, they didn't think about somebody coming to enjoy it later on. Sure. Not at all. It was built to secure themselves who come to invade the people of the island here. Yeah. So to say, well, right now 
you know, who who know or who reflect back on the history of the island will um, feel some will feel good, some will feel uh, bad, mm -hmm. especially when reflecting back on uh, you know your ancestors didn't do no harm to nobody, and when somebody come to take them out from where they belong. So, you know, one of the things that we've learned about whilst here is um, how, and I don't know how soon after this war, this particular war between uh, the French, the Garifuna, and the British uh, occurred, but the Garifuna were actually exiled uh, to Honduras, Rotan, and Honduras, and, and other parts of Central um, America. America. Yeah. And as a result, I understand that the language is almost extinct. Yeah. But is it coming back with some of the pilgrimages that come here every right year? Right now, yeah. Um, every year you have some um, some the brethren from, from New York or Belize coming across, and um, they're trying their best to um, see if they could put it back. Uh, I know for, for this year especially, they was in um, various communities teaching um, some of the students how mm -hmm. to, especially German, and some part of the language, or even our um, our anthem, teaching them how the anthem, how to sing it in the Kalinago language. Oh. So we, we see that is a that, that is a good move with the people who choose to come back and um, put this over to we. We see that is very good. What what is the history of the language itself? Where does it come from? And who influenced the Garifuna? With a, as, as far as I understand, it's, it's like eighteen different languages that make up make up the Kalinago language, mm. the Garifuna language. So um, and they they about few of them, you know, I mean the French and few of the English words and other mm -hmm. um, language that make it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the claim is at least eighteen languages. It, I mean, the history of the Garifuna is very, very rich. Are there other places on St. Vincent that speak to the history other than Fort Charlotte, where we are here now? Are there other museums or monuments? Yeah. Um, for instance, um, when the people the people exile from from St. Vincent, first they, 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 they take them to Baliso. Where's that? It's the island off, um, on the south side of Beckway. Okay. Yeah. And um, they take them there to, you know what I mean, well, to exile, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, for them to get, to get rid of them. But they, they didn't get rid of them. Then they take them on another journey to um, South Central America, mm -hmm. uh, which they still did. And they, they, they've been fertile, they, uh, produce a lot more than <laughs> who live back here in St. Vincent. Um, that's one of the... Um, downfall and you could see you could you could back even now and say well it's not really a downfall because to to go to to go and think well you you have a downfall and you have to come back to teach the people your your language then it's a plus so it's no downfall so sometimes what you think is, is, is um bad it's not really bad you make something good um, um, centuries after, so we we feel good about that. Yeah, some people may think that the the language is gone, but lucky thing, it's still 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 around. Now, here in Saint Vincent, uh, how has the Garifuna history and culture been uh, been taught to to the people here? To uh, you know, you know. 
everyone who is part of this nation. How, is, how has that happened within the schools? Has it been a prominent part of, of the education here, or has it been something that's not widely explored? Well, not too long ago, not too long ago, um, the Ministry of Culture tried to um, get, as I say, um, these brethren to come back to St. Vincent to do some work to um, get back um, the language into the school. However, that's now. Before, it was never like that. Um, I know for, 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 for instance, for growing up in, in my time, growing up in school, um, it was never um, taught or come to anybody's thoughts that um, the language will be revived mm-hmm. or Kalinago people will be on the top again. In my time, growing up, most people think that that was it. It's mm-hmm. finished. So in that case, growing up myself, I know I've been bombarded with people um, who is not like me or from my background, from my race, so to say. You, you, people say, oh, well, you stupid Sunday, be Caribbean, and thing like that. That stretched down there from my time. Mm. And it ended up being, after 79 eruption, it, I think days where it um, erupted Thank and you. then go back down. The volcano, you mean? 79. Okay. Yeah. After that eruption, mm-hmm. people from the north side of the island run through and through as refugees through the island. Mm. So some being called stupid Sunday carib, carib running wild and things like that. So that sort of erupts like the souffre, the people, um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it come right down back until now it stay down there. You don't find people going on like that time the stupid Sunday carib and you know what I mean? Right. Because that, that, that group of people scattered to the length and breadth of St. Vincent now. So it changed mm-hmm. until today. I have a, a question for you. You know, I know a lot of the history and, and a lot of the stories of um, you know, the Garifuna back when, you know, 1830s or what have you, or 1700s, um, have disappeared. But how have you actually traced your lineage as as a descendant of uh, a Garifuna family. Right. Personal, my personal view on that is from my grandfather, mm-hmm. my great-great-grandmother. So I will tell you about my, my own um, family background, how I know that I'm a part of the Kalinago race. Now, my grandfather was a yellow carib. That's how he looked. Yellow carib? Yes. Okay. He was yellow and short, mm-hmm. straight hair, something like a Chinese man, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a Chinese man. <laughs> no, my grandmother was a Amerindian Indian. Mm-hmm. That is how I, you know I mean, see it. That is how it is. Now, my great-great-grandmother which is my father, my grandfather, mother, she was a yellow carib. Mm-hmm. Now, she lived to 115. 
and she died after the last 79 eruption after she died. So wow. she see, she saw the 1902 eruption and she saw the 79 eruption. So she gave away some of that history. Mm-hmm. She was 115 years of age. So that's history she has from way back there. We have it. How, did you record it at all, or are you just carrying so it? We have it in my head, not in my head alone. Mm-hmm. Before my father passed on, he gave it to me. Before we, we uncles and auntie passed on, mm-hmm. what she gave them, and she gave me ourselves. That's part mm-hmm. of history. So that's why we know that we are part of that descendants or that race. When we return, more Garifuna stories from Augustine. They say, well, yes, we still have the indigenous people in St. Vincent. And then they come back to St. Vincent and feel proud mm-hmm. of these same people. And now they put themselves in place to be like them people. Next as World Footprints continues. Hi, my name's Catherine from France, and I love listening to World Footprints Radio. Discover paradise on the islands of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, a tropical paradise of 32 beautiful Caribbean islands for yachting, scuba diving, enjoying nature, and relaxing in luxurious hideaways is waiting for you. Run away from a hectic life and let the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines spoil you. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick with World Footprints, and we rediscovered ourselves by discovering St. Vincent and the Grenadines. See for yourself at discoverfsvg.com. My name is Luben Oliver. I'm from the tiny island back where the Mason and the Grenadines. And I uh, want to wish you all the best for coming to Beckway, Tanya and uh, Ian. I wish you a safe trip back. And when you go back home, tell all the wonderful people about Beckway. It's the only paradise in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And I will encourage you to listen to all footprint, the best in the world. Enjoy. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. Here's more of our conversation with Augustine Sutherland from Fort Charlotte and St. Vincent. The Africans and the Caribs had this great intermixing of, right. of themselves so that when I look at you or they look at you, how would we know or does it even matter? What's the, I guess, what is the consciousness of mm-hmm. people with respect to some of these different uh, cultures, these different tribes, these different races, so mm-hmm. to speak, even though brother to brother, sister to sister, mm-hmm. you know, we all we all kind of look the same, but perhaps we're not yeah. culturally the same or have that shared history. How does that how does that play out? Oh you see that? Yeah. Um right now, um it's not a problem right now. Mm-hmm. Today is not a problem. Mm-hmm. As I said before, it's not a problem today. Before it was. But now everybody in St. Vincent and the Grenadines want to say they may call the Kalinago people or the, the Garibuna people. Everybody wants to see that now. So it's kind of popular. Yeah, kind of everybody feel good now that, yes, <laughs> my grandmother was this, my grandmother was, yeah, everybody feel good about it now. Mm-hmm. But before, it was never mm-hmm. like that. So sometimes I say to myself, but well, why it couldn't be like that all the time? Why Why do you think it, it, our, our uh, stories 
just coming to light? Are people still uh, just now understanding the history of Garifuna and they're taking pride in Garifuna accomplishments? Exactly. Is that I, I, I think this is this this is this is this is something to be proud about now. Mm-hmm. Not like how I used to think. So I want to be a part of that. So let 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 me get on board and feel proud mm. that I's part of it. Some some people I listen to good. Um, and so, some of these same people who didn't want to be uh, uh, associated with that crowd of people, when they get to university or to college overseas, they have a challenge. Mm-hmm. The question that they ask: How is the indigenous people are you part of the indigenous people who are you mm-hmm. and they say well yes we still have the indigenous people in St. Vincent and then they come back to St. Vincent and feel proud mm-hmm. of these same people and now they put themselves in place to be like them people why when you were growing up as we were coming up here you were talking about how you used to when you were a child you'd get a mm. lot of lickings mm. at school a lot of spankings yeah. um were you joking when you said it was because of your race or no i didn't joke at all so what were the issues back then between garifuna and other blacks on this island yeah what what, what about myself again growing up in sandy bay village no, we have a river that take that black we anytime it comes down. Mm-hmm. We call it the Rabokajai River. When that river comes down, we can't come over hmm. the side. Right? So if anybody over the side here and they're going up there, they will say they're going to the Carib country. They're going to the Carib country. No, my thing when I when I talk coming up the when I telling you about I get plenty licks from why is where I come from is from seventy nine eruption. I see. When we have to scatter as refugees and going to different school. So my we parents scatter all over. Mm-hmm. So they they send me to different school. And you go to that school, they look at you and they know well, you're not one of us because you're not talking like we. I see. Just by talking alone, they know because we will say, um, oil. They will say oil. Oh, hmm. we will say buy. Yeah, you know I mean, and mm-hmm. they, they pick you up. This they pick you up fast. They miscarry them from Sunday. Day. So from that, they will start see you different and start troubling you. So you will fight back now. So they will tell you you are like you're a cannibal. You're a carib. So I have to fight, I have to defend myself for that. Mm-hmm. And I give some licking too. Because we parents take we to Cumberland. And we go to Cumberland school and we, we meet relatively in Cumberland school. Then the, then I make a big fight in, in Cumberland school and when I finish I go back home in Sandy Bay. Mm. That was the last fight I do. Yeah. I'm I'm shocked. I, I'm, and, I'm and, just shocked. And the fighting come up. The fighting came about because history. That that day in school, they been they, is history being taught mm-hmm. that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the teacher did saying the cars was warlike and there was cannibals. 
And I said, no, there was never. I said, no, there was never. So I had been told to stand up in that class. And I stand up. And the afternoon, now when I go in home from school, they decide to heckle me and call me stupid Sandy B. Carib and Carib one in a while and we have to go back where you come from. And I decide not to take it so. And I have a pencil done sharp and I have my razor blade. And I tell you, when they, when they struck me and they push me on the ground, they beat me, I feel for my pencil and my razor blade. And I choke whatsoever I get and whosoever I get. I'm a pencil blade, and I feel for my razor blade. I take my razor blade. I get cut, but I cut too. Mm. And yeah. then, when I get cut, yes, I use my teeth. And I bite. And I bite. And I always, we always complain to my mother. And we mother say nothing. The same afternoon, parents come into my mother. Mm-hmm. And my mother stand up, they say nothing either. And not too long after, I went back home, up Sunday, because I was in Cumberland. I leave and go back to Sunday and live. Mm-hmm. Didn't finish school. You didn't? No. But go back to Sunday and live. Hmm. They, they should have had, you know, there's, in the United States, there's a lot of, um, a lot of effort being uh, uh, shown to, um, Particularly in schools, kids being bullied. You know, a lot of children are, are bullied. There's a lot of uh, policies being developed, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, I'm thinking it's a pity mm-hmm. that when you were in school, that that wasn't recognized as you a source. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the, 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 one of the good things about this later on in life, you know, you know that head teacher. After I get married, that head teacher met my wife and told my wife, Oh, you know, your husband was one of my brilliant students. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is the part that made me feel good, man. <laughs> because I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. After so much a year, did I get married? Yeah. Mm. I, I tell my wife, You sure? She said, Yes. And what are you doing now, Augustine, to continue uh, sharing the legacy of your family and, and your family's contribution to uh, the race and, and just keeping the stories going and keeping them fresh in the minds of the next generation? Well, what, 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 I, what, I, what I do, I, um, as much um, children from any um, background, I make sure tell them my story and my ancestors' story mm-hmm. that they could keep it in their mind. Um, who I could, when come to that aspect of it, when come to like food and thing now, I make sure to tell them the kind of food that our ancestors live on. Um, when come to hunting, I tell them the same thing, the way, the lifestyle in hunting food, eating food. Mm-hmm. And today, I still maintain the eating habits of my ancestors, the okay. cassava bread, the roast okay. fish, and these kind of things. And I try to do it similar mm-hmm. to the way they used to do it. For instance, um, in St. Winston here, I think I could say I'm the only person in St. Winston here that used the bitter cassava, the poison from the bitter cassava, and turn it into something to eat. Oh. I'm the only person in St. Winston that do that that take that water mm-hmm. and turn it into a sauce that 
a sauce that you won't put no spice in, no nothing sweet in, and this sauce is sweet and spicy. Actually, yes, they call it, they call it, <laughs> in Guyana they call it kastrip, but here we call it tumale sauce, that's hand down for me. They call uh -huh. it tumale sauce. Okay. So we roast with fish and we dip it inside there, mm. and we put it in the cassava bread, and we roll the cassava bread, and we eat it with mm. nice, man. It tastes real nice. And you, you make that? Yes, I make sell. that. The only place in St. Vincent you could find that <laughs> is by Sado's. Uh -huh. Nowhere. <laughs> Might be a next stop there, Marlon. <laughs> is is Sandy Bay still a a um, is there still a, a Garifuna community there, or have they come back to Sandy Bay, or is there a Garifuna community on this island anywhere? Yes, Sandy Bay people, as much as thing enlighten, as much as thing change. Mm -hmm universal when I sitting everything as much as everybody have TV mm -hmm. as much as everybody have um a tape recorder or a blackberry in the ears or watching tricking or people still together okay. in our community in Sunday Bay mightn't be together playing the ring games or talking story in the night mm -hmm. but they still glue together mm -hmm. as one and it's day because of um problem that faced before maybe the next generation might be different sure might be different but the gener my age and under my age will still hold that link and still try to pass it over to the other one as i doing mm. because some of the food you still find the food in sandy bay it's still the Kalinago um food the way they do things same people still going and fish and making cassava bread and things mm -hmm. like that might not be in abundance like before because before you would see people walking the streets morning time early with the trend they had selling cassava bread for people to get to eat morning time instead of selling um the, the wheat flour bread you know okay. you, you still see every now and then somebody coming out morning time to sell cassava bread oh, well, in, in, in the baskets and tree. I look forward to trying that sometimes and, um, but Augustine Sutherland thank you so much for joining us today on mm -hmm. World Footprints and I just want to say real quickly as I've been sitting here looking at you you remind me of my cousin Smitty his name is Smitty okay. from Detroit he doesn't make cassava bread but he makes a mean homemade wine okay. so, <laughs> maybe yeah. we're careful Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed learning some of the history of St. Vincent from our Vincentian friends, Dr. Edgar Adams and Augustine Sutherland. If you'd like to learn more about St. Vincent, visit discoversvg.com. And if you want more of World Footprints Radio, including our World Footprints Travel Report, giving you the latest breaking travel news, visit us at worldfootprints.com. And while there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on all of our social networks. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time. Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. 
the only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio. They spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.